Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hi everyone and welcome to On The House, the Household Management Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with expert knowledge from professionals in the field. I'm your host, Gabriella Yastra, coming to you from Nam, Melbourne, Australia. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Gabriella, and I'm here today with um, Laverne Lehman. Um, so Laverne Lehman is the Waste and Sustainability Officer at Yarram um, Billick uh, Council Shire. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good, um, thanks. Do you want to um, introduce yourself? Laverne Lehman, uh, Waste and Sustainability Officer, Yarry Ambiak Shire Council. Perfect. So we're going to start off today um, with asking you just a few rapid fire questions. So they're just um, just to sort of get warmed up. Um, so um, what's your favourite food? Favourite food? Um, curries. I love curries. Yep. Um, uh, what's your favourite home appliance? My favourite home appliance? Probably my blender. Um, what book are you reading at the moment? Um, I'm reading, uh, reading a book on the food of the Singapore and Malay peninsulas, a cultural food history. That sounds interesting. Um, have to get that afterwards off you. Um, what was the last movie you, you watched? Last movie I watched, um, trying to think the, the French Dispatch. Good movie. Mm. What did you think of it? I loved it, but I like Wes Anderson movies. So, um, is there a podcast that you really like at the moment? Uh, look, I'm a bit eclectic with podcasts. I, I bob around and all sorts of things. I like some economics ones, like Freakonomics and Babbage. And then I'm also a bit of an archaeology nut, so I like to listen to sort different sorts of archaeology podcasts and history ones as well. So, all sorts of things. Hmm. Um, what was the last documentary you watched? Last documentary. Look, I, I mean, documentaries, I watch anything by David Attenborough on any given day. Um, I guess my favourite documentaries recent, in recent time has been uh, Craig Rewcastle's War and Waste series, which I, I turn on periodically just to remind me why I have to do my job. Mm-hmm. You recommend that for anyone looking to, uh, anyone listening to the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. He does it in such a, a great style and uh, visually uh, gives the message around why waste is such a problem. Okay. Um, do you have a role model that you admire? Lots of them, actually. Um, and I guess if, you know, people like um, Costa Georgiatis, who I've worked with a little bit over the last few years in my job with bringing him out to our communities and uh, just the generosity of his time and his authenticity and his his absolute inspiring enthusiasm for almost anything yeah. to do with, uh, you know, waste, sustainability, gardens, plants, you name it. Um, do you have an app that you're using a lot at the moment or that you like? 
Uh, the one I'm using a lot at the moment is the Vic Emergency app because of all the storms and things like that that we've had. Uh, look, the one I like using, um, I use the One Million Women app for measuring my environmental impact. Oh, I haven't heard of that app. I'll have to have a look at that. Um, and are you using any particular news websites? I generally use the ABC for most uh, most news. Mm-hmm. Um, and have you been to any events recently? Uh, like most people, not too many. <laughs> um, we had a couple up around our way in the last weekend, which were uh, we, which were great to see people at the uh, Horsham fishing competition was on and there was um, yeah, some uh, enduro racing, not that they're my thing necessarily and I didn't get to the one at Rainbow, but it's it's just great to see that people are able to get back to events again after the last couple of years and start interacting and enjoying each other's company and, and um, yeah, just, uh, just being able to see different people. Mm. Yeah, I can't wait to start going to events myself. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we're next going to go into just a sort of, um, a practice that you do. Um, so what's something that you do to manage waste in your own home? So that one of the things I do, and I set this up when I redid my kitchen a little while back is, is having a, a waste sorting station. So it means I sort my recycling and all the other bits and pieces. So, one of the issues in um, for me is I don't have a curbside collection because we live on a small farm property, but it, it, it doesn't really matter because there's a lot of your recycling that you can put into your generally yellow-lidded uh, mixed recycling bin. Um, there are some councils now that also have uh, glass bins uh, and some have food and garden organics bins as well, uh, along with your landfill bin. But uh, so that means you do have to sort those things out. But I, I sort them out because when we take it to our local transfer station, I can put our plastics in a plastics container, glass goes into a particular glass container. But there's lots of things like um, in the town I live in, um, the Lions Club collect uh, paper and cardboard. So I bundle that up and drop that into them. Uh, things like batteries uh, or any e-waste has to be separated out from your rubbish these days uh, and they get dropped off at, at, at the transfer station as well or at council offices and things like that. Some hardware stores take them as well. Same with light globes. Um, I separate out my aluminium foil and put it in a little ball so it can go into the um, the metal collection more easily. I collect up bread tags and rubber bands and um, things like that and jars because some of those sorts of things, particularly the bread tags, go to a, a community uh, charity that collects them up for um, for uh, creating wheelchairs for children. Uh, soft plastics can't go into recycling, um, but they can be collected up and dropped off at um, supermarkets like Coles and Woolworths and, and they go to a company called Replas who make... Um, uh, plastic, uh, recycled plastic benches and bollards and all sorts of things. Um, food waste, because we do live on a property, we do have chickens and dogs and things like that. So um, I don't have too much food waste, but whatever can't be used for them goes into our composting system. We also have a worm farm um, and that includes our coffee grounds, eggshells I uh, collect up and they crushed up and go into our garden. 
Um, you know, we, we grow some of our veggie scraps, like, you know, I take the bottom off a of bok choy or tops off carrots and they can be regrown. Um, I grow avocado seeds because they actually make really nice indoor plants. Uh, so there's all sorts of things that I do with my recycling station that uh, perhaps is a little bit more than the usual household, I suspect. It sounds but like a, a, yeah, it's sorry. About sort, as I say, it's, it's all about sorting. It sounds like there's a lot of, it's, it seems like you'd have to have a lot, it, it'd have to be very um, organised for that. So do you have, do you have like a jar for this and a jar for that and a box for this and a box for that? Yeah, I do. I have a, a set of bins that uh, stack up so that I have, you know, my waste at the top. Uh, then there's uh, plastics um, and tin cans recycling. Then there's uh, soft plastics and then there's paper and cardboard. I have a special bin for glass. Um, and then I have a, a another tub which is full of little jars and things where I collect up all the other bits and pieces. And and look, it take, you have to set it up. But once you've got it set it up, set up, it's pretty simple to actually just pop the things into the right things. Um, it's all in one location. It's as I said, I call it my little way station, um, and it just means that I'm organised all the time, and I don't have to worry about you know once it's in its location, all I have to do is get it to the the transfer station or or the drop off point for those things, and it's it's a relatively simple process. But yes, you do have to be a little bit organised. Okay, so I guess the best thing to do is to get it all set up and then once it's set up, it's actually very easy. Yeah, and the other thing is understanding uh, where things have got to go and how you can um, deal with them. I mean, it, for me, it's all about reducing what waste we produce. So, uh, you know, at that point, you know, the decisions on purchasing that I've already made will all already decide what amount of waste I'm producing. Uh, so it's then a matter of, you know, what can I do things? So I have a coffee maker, I have coffee grounds. What can I do with coffee grounds? And there's lots of things you can do with coffee grounds, for example. Um, you know, whether it be putting them on, in your compost or on your plants that a lot of people use. Some pe I've got a friend that makes soap and uses coffee grounds in her soap making. Um, you can make coffee scrubs out of them um, with, you know, mixing with a bit of, uh, a bit of oil, olive oil and um, uh raw sugar or brown sugar um, and you can make a really nice coffee scrub for your skin so there's lots of things you can do if you're prepared to I mean I guess I'm a bit of a waste nerd so I go and look for those solutions so that I'm not putting things into landfill I don't need to well that's why you're here <laughs> um so um are there any challenges um for this uh, look, I guess the challenge is, you know, you've got to create some space to do this in. Um, as I said, you've got to be a bit organised there and you've got to, you've also got to do a little bit of research and make sure you know where you can put these things. Um, there's not much point in collecting up things uh, to recycle if they cannot actually be recycled. Um, so there, unfortunately, there are things that are recyclable but not easily recycled, um, and that's you know that makes some of those things challenging. And and a, and a good example of that is things like polystyrene, absolutely recyclable. The problem is, is that it's so light. Um, unless you've got a place nearby that you can recycle it at it's hard to justify recycling because if you put a truckload of uh, polystyrene where I live, which is about 300 kilometres from Melbourne, and set it down to Melbourne for recycling, which is where a lot of the recycling actually has to go, you, you're transporting air. 
So it's not, it's, you know, as much as we want to do the right thing, if we don't have the facilities to do that, it's, it's just not possible all the time. Mm. Um, and, and so you're also talking about having to take it down to the transfer centre. So do you have to mm -hmm. make time for this? Um, yeah. Yeah. So most, most towns, communities, all councils run transfer stations um, or they contract someone to run transfer stations for them. Uh, I call them transfer stations. Most people probably know them as the local tip. Um, and they're often on a road called Tip Road. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's where um, a lot of the waste activity goes. So when you do a household clean-up and you, you, you've got to take a, a trailer load of rubbish, that's where you take it. Um, and they separate things out there. Um, in rural areas like the one I live in, there are uh, uh, there are some people like us that don't have a curbside service, so we've got to manage our own waste and we have to drop it in there. So you have to, um, you know, know when the tip or transfer station is open and um, you, you take it in then and they, um, depending on, um, I don't get charged for my recycling uh, because I have it all nicely sorted out, um, but, yeah, there are obviously charges if you're going to dump other things. Um, why do you think home administration is important? Well, I guess to me it's about being organised in your life. Otherwise, it's just uh, chaos. So you've, you've got to have uh, systems in place in your own home. In the same way as when you go to work, you have systems for working. Um, you it's you know if you you know if you get your bills you've got to pay them you know you've got to go through that process you've got to do your purchasing your, or you know in a workplace it's procurement so at home it's purchasing and you have your your routines to to do that you've got to make sure that um, you know everyone's got clean clothes and things like that it's it's about making sure you've got uh, you know your energy and power bills paid so you've got those things happening so it's about the smooth running of your life and the easier, you know, the more routine you have on those sorts of things, the less likely you are to have problems over time. So, you know, whether it's maintaining appliances or, you know, looking after things around the home, making sure things are clean, all that sort of stuff, Just it's just about making your life a little bit easier, uh, I think, and that's what it comes down to, you know, and that, that gives you time then to go and enjoy the things that you really want to do. Um, and how does waste management come into that? So waste management, one of the reasons why I got into waste in the first place is, is uh, really because it's the one thing that we all have to get involved in, in some way, shape or form. We all produce waste, whether we like it or not. And uh, what I like about it is that it has impacts in so many areas um, in our lives. So it has an, it has a um, a cost impact. Um, it costs to you know. There's no such thing as a free lunch. There's no such thing as free waste either. There is a cost to dealing with waste. Um, it's also resources because not all. I mean, I don't like the the word uh, waste because they are just materials that we no longer have a use for. 
a lot of the things when I talk about my waste station, I really should call it my resources station because there's a whole lot of resources in there that now can go, you know, because I've got it sorted out properly, can go into being, you know, to producing other things, whether it be recycling or upcycling or remaking, repurposing, all those sorts of wonderful RE words um, that are that uh, mean that those those things will have uh, a continuing life in some form. Um, it, there's obviously an environmental impact uh, on waste. Um, you know, if you if you don't manage it properly, um, you end up with problems. You know, litter problems in the environment, or um, you know, landfill uh, issues where you know you can end up with landfill fires if it's not managed properly. So there's all sorts of things there um, that that um, really make waste important in our lives. And it's important in the home as well because if we manage it properly, uh, first of all, we we all get the benefit of having, um, in the longer term, having more resources at our disposal to manufacture or remanufacture um, so we're not using virgin materials all the time. And we reduce the uh, environmental impact on our purchasing. And it, and it, what, what it really comes back to is we produce waste based on what we buy. And if we get the buying part right, then we can get the waste part right a lot more easily. So you're saying that um, you need to, to change your buying habits to sort of try to reduce the amount of waste you're producing? Yeah, look, governments talk a lot about recycling and all that sort of stuff. In fact, it would be much better, and I know governments will be reluctant to say this because they don't want to impact on the economy too much by saying to people, don't buy so much rubbish, so to speak. Um, if people bought more wisely, and this is what I talk about, think about your purchasing. So um, when you when you go to the supermarket, um, my husband always wonders why it takes me so long to do our shopping. It's because I'm reading labels these days. Uh, one of the things that I, I think about a lot is, you know, is this product using recyc recyclable packaging uh, in the first instance? So can, can that packaging be recycled? Um, there are a lot of composite materials now that make, uh, in you know, particularly in things like dog and cat food, those are things that look like soft plastic but have a, a foil lining, chip packets, things like that, can't be recycled easily. Um, they are recyclable, but they're expensive to do that. So it's not easy to do those sorts of things. Whereas if you choose versions that, um, you know, if you buy your cat food in a cardboard box, sure, that's easy to recycle. The other thing I now look for, because in the last probably a year or two, a couple of years in particular, uh, a lot of the big companies um, who uh, produce most of the cleaning products around the world, and there's only two or three of them really, um, are now committed to using uh, recycled material in their in their containers. So, you you know, they're now happy to say on their labelling that this is a hundred percent recycled plastic bottle. And it can be recycled again, um, not forever, but it can be recycled many times before. It's it's a problem. So I look for those things that that uh, have those options. Um, we'll also see some other options. I see there's a lot of um, talk about being able to do refills on on certain things as well. So you know your your dishwashing liquid instead of 
having to buy a new product, you know, a complete new container, you can take your refill bottle and things like that. And there are some smaller scale things like that already happening out there. But um, I think we'll start seeing a lot more of those sorts of things in the big supermarkets as well. So it's so that's what I mean by, you know, thinking about your purchasing. That's at that level. Um, when you're talking about things like appliances, for example, you know, check whether they have take back. Um, you know, can you take your old one back? Um, mattresses is another good one like that. You know, can will they take, if you're buying a new two two and a half thousand dollar mattress, can you take your old one back? Will they pick that up when they, when they deliver it for you? Um, with your washing machines, fridges and so forth, are there take back programs? There certainly are in computing. Um, because the thing with a lot of these these items is that we might see it as just a bit of rubbish, but in fact there's a lot of very valuable valuable materials in them. There's also some dangerous ones as well that we don't want people fiddling around with. But you know things like copper and other wires and so forth. There's there's some good stuff there that can be um, taken out of it and re uh, reprocessed uh, into the future. So think about those things. Think about whether something can be repaired. Um, you know, going back to my parents and grandparents' day when they first got a TV, if it broke down, you called the TV repairman and they came out and they fixed your TV. Now, it's a different type of uh, different type of TV these days, but these days if your TV breaks down, you throw it out and you go and get another one. So think about are there products out there that you can easily fix? And there there is a big movement around the world, the, what they call a repair movement, um, to ensure that uh, particularly high-tech companies, um, phones, mobile phones, will allow you to repair your get or get your item repaired at a reasonable cost without um, impacting on warranties and things like that. So there's lots of things out there that when you're making those decisions to purchase something, um, if you if you just do a bit more checking into what are those options around repair and return and um, uh, you know uh, the the packaging of of those items, um, a little bit more care in that area means we reduce uh, a lot of our waste. And what happens if you already have the broken TV that you can't repair? Uh, in that case, uh, we in certain states now there's um, uh, a lot of uh, e-waste uh, legislation now. So, for example, in Victoria, you cannot put that into landfill. You have to take it to a um, usually the transfer station or somewhere like that. But uh, uh, it can be returned. And again, there there are there are companies that are processing that material now and will will fix you know. We'll, we'll pull apart all the different materials and and ensure that what they can recycle they will. Uh, so that's that's a good thing. That's something that the um, the state governments have been progressively bringing in uh, in recent times. So none of that stuff is allowed to go into landfill any longer. Okay, I'll have to keep that in mind for next hard rubbish day. <laughs> um, and what are some misconceptions about um, waste management in our society? Uh, look, I think the biggest misconception about waste management is that there is a place called away. Um, we throw things away. There is no away. <laughs> it, it's got to go somewhere. And this is why I say it's important that people think about purchasing uh, because it's it's those things that will be going, you know, away uh, when you throw it out. So 
you know, we have landfills, but we we want to we want to reduce our reliance on having landfills. We can't keep digging holes in the ground and chucking stuff in there as if that's a solution for everything. First of all, it's just it's it's not how we should be treating the earth. Um, it's it's not cost effective. Uh, at some stage, people will want to use that land down the track once you finish with that landfill, and we already know that these can cause significant issues if you look to build housing developments, you know, two or three decades later, you can have significant issues with um, with methane gas and so forth, particularly if you've got, um, you know, organic wastes in there as well. So there's um, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of reasons why we want to do that. And to be quite honest, we should be smarter. I mean, think about it. Somebody goes to all the trouble to to produce um, uh, good food, for example. You know, whether it's a far, you know a farmer or a food processor or whatever, um, we we throw out well around about thirty percent of all food that's produced around the world does not get consumed. It, a lot of it gets thrown out. So we're throwing out somebody's hard work there. Um, only for it to to be a real problem down the track because we haven't dealt with it properly. Now, I mean, food waste is something I'm certainly very passionate about. Um, we can reduce that. There's a lot of ways we can go about reducing that. And that, that comes down to a you know buying properly, buying the right quantities, uh, understanding what it is we need. Um, you know, don't overbuy. Um, storing it properly, make sure it, if it needs to be refrigerated, it's refrigerated. If it's getting close to the date where you've got to use it by, consider, you know, freezing things. Um, you know, don't, you know, not not all fruit and vegetables should be stored in the fridge. Some things are better not stored there. So just, you know, understanding those sorts of things and not just willy-nilly throwing things out. Um, it, it is, it can be challenging because if you're a single person, for example, or even a couple, it's really hard to buy things that are small quantities um, without buying a lot of already packaged processed food. So if you want fresh food, that can be quite, quite challenging at times. I mean, just buying a loaf of bread. I know some companies now are making half loaf sizes, which is great. But, uh, you know, when I had six teenage boys at home, a loaf of bread was nothing. Um, that was gone in an afternoon. But, um, you know, it's not the same for every household. So, you know, making sure that you manage your food so you're not throwing things out is um, is really important. But that, you know, there's no way for that. So, uh, you know, if it goes into landfill, it will it will degrade in there over time, and you know that's where we that's where we get greenhouse gas emissions, and we know landfills produce a lot of greenhouse gas emissions, and that's one of the one of the areas that that state governments are looking to reduce their reliance on in order to ensure that we uh, we meet our climate change targets. So that's that's part of it, but it's you know respecting the product so that it's not thrown out. Um, so do you have any tips for if do you have any tips for like buying smaller quantities or like how to manage the food better yeah look uh i think the easiest thing is um uh if if you can't buy in smaller quantities on your own consider sharing with somebody else so you know if you don't uh a loaf of bread for example if you can't buy a smaller loaf do you know someone you could both, you know, you share the bread? 
rather than that. Or alternatively, you can freeze bread quite easily, so it's not not a huge problem from that perspective. Um, be aware of how much you're actually using and eating. Um, and I mean, we we always have a scraps bucket um, so that I can see exactly how much we might waste um, because there is some waste that is unavoidable. I mean, taking, you know, when you're chopping up your veggies and things. Um, yeah, just be careful around how much you purchase is the main thing and make sure you, you know, read storage um, instructions on them. So if something's got to be in the fridge, make sure it's in there. Um and, uh, you know, think about your veggies. Um, things like tomatoes don't need to be in the fridge. They're, in fact, we're, they're, they're, they go better without being in there. And there are some fruit and veg that should never be stored together. So because of the um, um, ethylene gas that they give off. So bananas should never be refrigerated, for example, either because they tend to go black. So understanding what you're buying, I think, is really important. Um if you make, um, I, I mean, I often make things like a curry where I know it's going to be too much for one meal, so I put some aside and freeze it and have it later on. It's great for if you're home late one night and you need a quick meal. So think about those sorts of things that are, just make life a little easier as well. Again, it comes down to, you know, household management and being a bit organised. Mm. So um, moving on to a slightly different topic, um so some studies have found that inadequate waste systems, management systems, lead to illegal dumping, littering or mixed waste. Is this is there something that we can do about that? Yeah, look, uh, one of the challenges in any waste management system is how do you – it costs money. So let's be clear, there's no – as I said, there's no free waste. And one of the reasons why we end up with things like illegal dumping is because people decide they don't want to pay for it. So how do you manage that? Now, one of the one of the ways they do do that is by having a um, uh, a levy placed on some goods before when you buy them. So things like TVs, computers, tires, um, paint. When you buy paint these days, there's a I think it's, it's only a few cents, five, ten cents, or something like that. But that all goes into a fund that looks after the management of that as waste, as long as you take it to the right places. Um, and that just makes life a little bit easier for, um, you know, the cost of managing waste. If you don't have those schemes, you have the problem of, and I'll give only mattresses are a great example mattresses are the bane of any landfill manager's um, life because they act like surfboards they rise to the top and they sit there they're a real problem to deal with in 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 landfill but they're also full of good stuff that you can recycle but there's a number of different components there so they do have to be pulled apart so you have the fabric you have the steel springs you have wood there are things in there that can be reused um, and recycled into new products um, but, you know, people, it's interesting, people are happy to spend a couple of thousand dollars on a nice new mattress, but they'll argue about spending 25 or $30 on getting rid of it, uh, the old one, uh, at, a, at the transfer station. Um, but that's what it costs to take them apart. So if you had a, um, you know, a levy on top of any new mattress that would pay for all of that, then you'd, you'd get around that problem. And as I said, that's what they do with things like paint now. They've done it with TVs and computers for a few years. So there, there is a, you know, there's money there to deal with it at the end of its useful life. 
uh, allowing the recovery of those materials. Tyres are another one. Um, but there are, there are um, uh, these schemes do have to be well managed because otherwise you can end up with some um, unintended consequences of, um, and we've seen this with tyre dumps and things like that, where they're taken back and just dumped and left. And, of course, they pose... Um, they pose a hazard to uh, you know local communities if they start um, start fires, for example. Um, you can you can end up with some significant problems there, and that certainly has been the case in recent years. So again, it's about managing those things properly. Um, litter is is an ongoing issue, and and anyone that drives down any any of the major roads around the country will will see litter everywhere, and it's not hard to work out what most of it is. Um, it's mostly food, uh, takeaway food waste and wrappers and packaging. Um, that's, you know, that's a consequence of um, our reliance on convenience in our lifestyle. So, you know, the way that um, governments are now starting to look at tackling some of this is by uh, um, having uh, bans on single-use plastics uh, because if they're thrown out, unless they're picked up, they'll they'll sit there and and um, become a hazard for wildlife. They just you know plastic will break down into uh, microplastics and end up in soils and and waterways and things like that. Really, we just don't want people to throw things out the window of their cars. You know, go and find a bin. Um, always make sure you've got a, a, a rubbish bag in your car that you can put those things into and get rid of them uh, when you get home. Um, but that's, you know, that's the, the littering problem, that throwing throwing of coffee cups is another one. We we seem to be really good at creating new forms of waste. I mean, 30 years ago, who, had, who, who would have thought we'd have problems with... Um, uh, single-use coffee cups. We we just weren't that. You know, we liked our coffee, but we weren't um, we weren't uh, fanatics about our coffee like we are these days. And you know, you you walk down the streets of you know our major cities, and there's people wandering around everywhere with a coffee cup in their hand, um, and it's a single-use coffee cup. Um, now, you know, pre-COVID, we you know, there was a lot of work being done to have get people to use their own cups or have cup exchanges and things like that. Um, but once COVID hit, a lot of that sort of stuff went out the door again because people were worried about infection spreads and things like that. Uh, hopefully now that we're sort of seeing the light at the end of the COVID tunnel, we'll come back to a little bit more of that, um, uh, you know, washing cups or taking your own and that sort of thing so that we can reduce that that sort of waste around the place um you know going back to the the craig rewcastle war and waste you know he filled a, a melbourne tram with coffee cups to demonstrate how big a problem the coffee cup issue is so you know it, that's it's one of those things unless you see a really great visual like that it's hard to imagine that one little cup of coffee that you had makes that much difference. On its own, no, but when you've got hundreds of thousands of people doing this every day, it starts to add up. Something that I've noticed, you know, since COVID started was there's a lot of masks on the ground, like reusable and disposable masks, and they're obviously going to create a huge hazard. Um, other than, you know, collecting them and um, maybe disposing of them, disposing of them properly is there anything else we can do 
Yeah, look, and again, this is, you know, unintended consequences of all these sorts of things. Um, once you, you know, we want people to wear masks or, or, or you know, certainly we've, they've had them mandated at various times and people have uh, worn the disposable ones. Um, again, it comes down to personal responsibility. People have got to dispose of them properly, don't just, and you're right, they're everywhere. I mean, you go into a car park, you see them, you know, next to when you're getting stepping out of a car, um, on the roadsides, um, in parks and gardens and things like that. They're just all over the place and, you know, in gutters. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they can, you know, they just need to be placed in the bin. They're not easily recycled. Um, because of again the different componentry of them, um, and you know, again people are concerned about picking them up because you don't know who's worn them. So you've got those, you know, the infection control issue as well as you know there as well. So it's it's a bit challenging. But again, I have to say to people, you put your coffee cup in the bin, put your mask in the bin, just put it in the right bin. Um, and, you know, another uh, uh, consequence out of COVID has been um, now that we have the rat tests um, there, they can't be put into um, recycling, unfortunately. Um, they've got to be they've got to be disposed of properly as well. So it's about making sure that people put them in the right places. So you just say general waste bin is the best for, for both of those? Yeah. Looking, if in doubt, put it in... <laughs> Having just spent the last uh, while telling you I don't want people to put things into into their landfill bin, um, sometimes that's just the best place for them. Unfortunately, um, it's it's just a fact of life. We don't want people putting things into recycling that shouldn't be going into recycling. What happens when you put something that's not supposed to be in the recycling in the recycling? Well. <laughs> One of the things I would recommend if any, and you can probably look at them on YouTube, but if you ever have the opportunity to go and visit a recycling um, place, they're called MRFs, that's a material recycling facility. Um, like most uh, professions, the waste profession loves acronyms as well. Um, and you, what you see these days is that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of technology associated with uh, sorting things. So everyone has their mixed recycling bin. Um, they get dumped out uh, in, the, in a recycling centre. It goes on a series of conveyor belts and, you know, magnets will pull out the, um, uh, the steel uh, for recycling. They have uh, trummels which will um, uh, take the, the lightweight uh, papers and plastics out um, and things get get sorted quite quickly uh, through that kind of uh, that mechanization of this so you, you haven't got lots of people sitting there um, picking through everyone's ways to pull it out the, the one thing I would say you know if, if you're not sure if something should be recycled just really check on your council websites they will tell you exactly what be, can be in there as a general rule of thumb the things that go into your recycling bin are mostly packaging. Um, you know, you can't put textiles in there. You can't put old shoes in there. Um, you can't put batteries and things like that in there. It's mostly the packaging around the food, you know, the food area of your home, the kitchen and the laundry and bathroom. That's where most of our waste is generated in the home, in those, in those three areas. And it's mostly around the packaging that is associated with them. So if you keep that in mind, it's not hard to, to get it right. 
Um, but it's um, and there is some recycling labeling done these days. It's a standard in Australia. It doesn't quite work everywhere, but it gives you a pretty good idea. If it's soft plastics, keep it in a soft plastics bag and drop it in the supermarket. Uh, any cardboard, any hard plastics, uh, glass, tins, uh, aluminium can all be uh, recycled into your recycling bin. So in my own research, I, I thought that I heard that a lot of plastics can't be put into the recycling. So not just soft plastic, but a lot of other plastics. Mm. Is that true in Australia? Yeah, look, uh, plastics is um, is a real challenge. Uh People will, uh, you'll, you'll look on most plastic items and you'll see a, a, a little um, triangle. People think that means recycling. In this case, it's actually the international symbol of plastics and it's got a number in there. And there are certain plastics that are more easily recycled than others. Now, fortunately, a lot of the more difficult ones are not so common anymore. Um, and I'm I can't quite remember the ones that you can and can't put in there, but um, it's uh, it's not hard to find out. Um, but it's it, you know the plastics one, two, and three are generally um, easily recycled, and you can pop them in there uh, in the in the recycling bin without too much trouble. The more what I call exotic plastics uh, are the ones that that um, there is a problem with. We sort of already gone over this a little bit, but how can we practice home waste management? Um, at home? Well, again, it starts from purchasing. Um, you know, think about what you're purchasing. Try and make sure that what you um, what you are uh, purchasing can be recycled if it's got packaging. If you can buy unpackaged things, um, you know, uh, take, you know, would take your own containers or um, uh, bags and things like that for vegetables. So I have some very lightweight netting bags that I can use for fruit and vegetables. So I don't have to use those lightweight plastics that are provided by the, the supermarkets or, or fruit and veg shops and so forth. Um, and things like bananas, you know, you really don't need to put them in a bag. They've got, they've got a perfectly good um, packaging. It's called their skin. So if you pick up a hand of of bananas or two or three of them I don't I've never felt the need that to actually have them in a bag uh, so think about those sorts of things um, yeah as I said the type of packaging that something something does have to have packaging well then it has to but uh, if you can find or think about options that actually don't have the packaging so avoiding the waste in the first instance is always the best one um, I th- ultimately I when you when you're shopping um, beyond you know the, the the basic necessities of life like food and cleaning products and so forth, you know think about do I really need this? Um, I always have this rule of thumb that uh, if there's something I particularly like, I'll say if it's there in a week's time, then it's meant to be mine. Um, that's served me reasonably well over the years because if I've gone back, it's not there. I've saved money, um, and I probably didn't really need it. But, uh, you know, think about those sorts of things. Um, think about other options for purchasing as well as in not purchasing but borrowing or, or whatever. So there are things like tool libraries these days, toy libraries, book libraries we've had for a long time. You don't have to buy everything and you don't have to buy everything new either. So, um, you know, there are other options that are often available in different, commu- you know, through different community groups, um, you know, people, 
things like um, you know drills, for example. Um, uh, it, you know, a lot of households will have one, but they're rarely used. You can go to a tool library and and pay a small fee to use theirs, um, or they might have a membership subscription type uh, process. You don't actually have to own it. So think about those sorts of things about you know whether you need to own those things. There's some fantastic stuff with children these days. Um, with toy libraries and and even um, you know stuff for babies where you use it for the period of time that you need it and then you take it back again. Um, I guess another one on the subject of babies is that age-old one around nappies. Um, look, going back to the 70s, 80s and, and early 90s, we went big on disposable nappies because it was so much easier, wasn't it, than, than having to deal with cloth nappies. Well, we've we've kind of swung around now because because disposables are not cool anymore by any stretch of the imagination. There's a, a and they've they've managed to look at how to design na- uh, cloth nappies to be a, a far more, um, I guess, user friendly um, item these days. So, uh, and there are a number of councils now that are actually doing trials to or helping people with babies to to move to a, a more sustainable cloth nappy version rather than the disposable all, all the time. That's important because as councils progressively move to having um, food and garden organics bins, um, they're often saying to people, to their residents, we don't want to collect your landfill bin every week. We would like to collect it every fortnight. And the one thing that that is always a complaint about that is nappies because nobody wants to hold on to disposable uh, nappies that have been used for a couple of weeks. Um, They want that collected every week. So, you know, those are the sorts of things that when we look at changing our services to improve it and, and I know, you know, they're talking about four bins these days with, you know, a, a landfill, a mixed recycle glass and, and food and garden organics. And that might not, be what everyone wants. They might only have a small dwelling and that's going to take up a bit of space. But um, the more we can do that separation, uh, the better the outcomes are at the end. So that's where that's heading. But it also means you're not going to have, uh, you know, rubbish services every week necessarily. The council I work for is uh, we, we're introducing a glass bin later on this year and what we're doing is instead of having fortnightly re- mixed recycling pickup, we'll have it on a four-week cycle. So it, it's uh, one fortnight it'll be glass, the other fortnight it'll be mixed recycling. Councils have got to manage their costs as well. So it's uh, it's a matter of how we, we um, balance up customer service with... Um, with uh, you know the costs that are associated with running these these kind of services and making sure that ratepayers aren't aren't unfairly um, charged when we when we don't need to. So those those are the sorts of things that are important there. Um, so you know that gets you around the sort of purchasing of of things, thinking about what you're buying, and then as I said, have a, have an area where you can sort your uh, rubbish. Um, you don't have to go to the lengths that I go to, but if you can sort things into um, into glass, mixed recycling, paper, cardboard, um, you know, if you've got the opportunity to, to um, dispose of them 
through different services, um, e-waste and things like that. So um, you, your batteries, light globes, anything with a cord or anything that can take a battery is what e-waste um, is generally. So I have a bag for putting those sorts of things into. Um, I also have an op shop box as well. So if there are there, if there's clothing that I've decided I no longer need but uh, is still perfectly good, um, then I have a, a box of things that can be taken to a local op shop. Um, just remember when you're taking things to a local op shop, though, if you wouldn't wear it um, yourself, then it's unlikely that anyone else will. So, so don't take things that are ripped and stained and all that sort of stuff. They don't need that, and they've got to pay for that that um, waste management if, if people drop off rubbish to them. So only take things that are actually useful for them. It's important. They're a charity and, and we want to make sure that they, they're using their funds to their best ability um, on that score. So that's, you know, those are the sorts of things there. So, you know, it's it's really a matter of, you know, looking at how you purchase things, look at other options. Do you need to purchase? Do Can you borrow? Um, look at the type of packaging, look at how, whether you can repair, all those sorts of things. And then, how you sort it out at home. And I think if you get those sorts of things right, if you get that process right, then uh, it makes life a whole lot easier. And you'll save quite a bit of money too, I might add. Okay. Well, everyone wants that, I think. Mm. And so our last section is um, the audience questions. Um, so I'll just check how much time we've got left. Got a couple, couple more minutes. So we'll do a couple of the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll also maybe get you to speak on something that you're passionate about. Um, so um, what is the difference between compost, recycling and landfill? So composting is for organic materials. So that's, you know, your food scraps, your garden waste and so forth. Um, there are some, you know, we talked about not putting meat in there, but, you know, your, your plant veggie scraps and those sorts of things um, is what you put into compost and that compost can then, you know, you, you create the compost, you turn it over, you make sure that it's um, it's aerated and that it doesn't get uh, sloppy and stinky. You make sure that it's it's got the right mixes of browns and greens and so forth. Uh, I won't get too technical about it, but it's, it's, it's you know, basically making a new product that you can put back into your garden to grow more plants and and you know fruit and vegetables and things like that so it's very much a recycling of organic material um what was the other two it was landfill and recycling Uh, landfill and recycling okay landfill is basically the end point for for waste it's where, where when it goes there it goes nowhere else um, it's generally a, uh, in a in a hole that's put in there and it's covered over and progressively over time once it's filled, um, that's it. That's the end of its life. Recycling is is basically taking materials and um, making new material, you know, new product or new packaging out of them. So you know your paper can be recycled. Many of the plastics are easily recycled. Glass, um, aluminium, tin can all be reused again. So it makes sure that those, you know, when we've dug them up out of the ground originally, whether it be through petroleum for making plastics or uh, iron ore for for um, steel cans, uh, bauxite for aluminium and so forth, um, 
we we get more than one use out of them. We don't have to continually use virgin material. So it allows those things to remain in the system um, through recycling. Recycling is not just putting things in the right bin. It's actually doing something something with it beyond that. So that's the difference between those three. So composting and recycling are similar um, in that they are a recycling process. They're just for different types of materials. So another question is, um, can I burn my, um, my waste? So garden waste or plastic waste? Um, well, first of all, certain, certain depends on the council and the time of the year. So, you know, for example, um, at the moment we have fire restrictions on through a lot of parts of, uh, of the state. Um, so you can't burn anything at the moment um, without a permit. Um, Look, burning, it's not its not a great way of dealing with waste. Um, it also can be quite dangerous uh, if it's a suburban backyard, not ideal. I mean, once upon a time we used to do a lot more of that. Most councils probably won't allow you in a suburban area to burn anything much in your backyard anymore. So I, I would say it's, it's, it's definitely not a good option. Um, uh, we talk about burning waste at a larger scale through what we call waste energy, um, but that's a highly controlled process that, that um, you know, mostly the Scandinavian and Northern European countries do quite a bit of um, to create um, energy, what they call energy from waste. Um, it goes into their electricity grid, but, um, you know, that's, a, that's industrial scale kind of stuff, not not burning in your backyard. And and I guess the, the short answer is there um, probably no from a council permission perspective, but not ideal in any case. Okay. Um, any tips on how to get kids involved in waste management? Look, most of the schools have fantastic programs these days um, that deal with a lot of this sort of stuff. Uh, it's certainly within their curriculum in their curriculum there's um you know the resource smart schools program there's eco schools there's a few of those sorts of things um i've certainly been involved in delivering some of those in schools and and i have to say the kids um the kids take it up with gusto they love it and they go home and they spread that message because they they love to be able to say to their parents no mum you're not doing the right thing with your recycling you've got the wrong thing there um, so they, they love to be involved and they love to understand what it is that you're doing. And it gives them some purpose there and get them involved in doing that in, uh, you know, in the home. You know, when you're setting up your, um, your uh, waste station, make sure the kids are involved in, in, you know, maybe get them to design the waste station for you so that they do all the labelling and little, you know, you know, put the plastics here or whatever it is and get them um you know, you can even create, um, I mean, my kids are all grown up now, but what I used to do is have a box where all, you know, crafty stuff would go. So things that, that, that uh, during holidays when we wanted to do crafts, we'd have a craft box. And, you know, again, that gets, you know, a lot of those things will be, you know, cardboard boxes and things like that and um, bits of fabric and so forth. So it's just a way of, of getting them to collect those sorts of things if you've got kids that are that way inclined. Um, but, yeah, kids kids are great sponges with these sorts of things and um, it's, you know, certainly when I'm looking to deliver waste education in our community, 
I always have, um, you know, an element of delivering to schools and early, even early kinder now is, uh, you know, we try and get those messages in there as early as possible. Um, Make it fun though. That's the thing with kids. Make it fun. <laughs> yeah, I definitely learned a lot as a kid, but I think my parents never, I never got involved in it. So I, I never really started doing it until I left home. Um. Are there any other sort of topics you want to talk about? Um, look, I guess, you know, one of the things that um, I mentioned a little earlier I'm really passionate about is, is food waste and, you know, some of the things that we can do a lot better there. Um, I look back in, um, you know, in history and, and look to understand, you know, when we, when, we, when we go back and look at how people used to manage uh, things because you've got to remember we didn't always have curbside collections of food and things or, or you know garbage at all um, and you know when we look back in time you look back in the old cookbooks and the, the Mrs Beatons and things like that you know they had so many wonderful tips in there about how to manage your household um, and you know talked about how you reduce your waste and how you um you know saved energy for example or um you know made sure that you you didn't waste so much food to cook to portions and um you know remember of course that, that in those days you know in the uh, 1800s they didn't have electricity either so they didn't have refrigeration they understood how to store things without having you know the modern appliances that we do um and there's some wonderful research that's been done around um you know storing of fruit and vegetables and things without necessarily using refrigeration that um mean that um you know we've lost those sorts of uh, you know those arts that oral traditions of passing down from usually mother to daughter but uh, it shouldn't necessarily be that way these days but there's some really interesting stuff around that and that's you know i'm probably a frustrated archaeologist at heart but um one of you know one of my favorite books is is uh, a book called uh, rubbish theory um by a uh, it's actually an archaeologist um uh, Michael Thompson. So he's, he developed this rubbish theory back in the 1970s. Um, it's the creation and destruction of value. And what he did with his archaeology students um, over a period of about 20 to 30 years, he was in an American university, he was looking for ways in which they could practice being archaeologists, you know, you know collecting information and working out what was happening. They did it by going to landfill sites and by looking in people's garbage bins. So it was about creating what's the narrative out of those those what's in those garbage bins. And you know, one of the things that they picked up, for example, was they would survey people and say, "How much alcohol have you drunk?" And uh, then they would go and look in garbage bins, and probably no surprise, people underestimated the amount they were drinking by about 50%, and they could prove that because they were able to look at the alcohol that was in their um, garbage bins. They were also able to see where there were different um, cultural enclaves, for example, so they could tell when there were where there were a lot of um, um, Latin American people living because they could tell by the type of food waste they had in their bins and it consisted of a lot of bones which 
um, more, I guess, Anglo-Americans didn't tend to have in their rubbish. So it was really use this whole program of going through waste um, to, and mostly food waste at that, to really understand what was going on in the community and in society and the changes that were going on with, with how we, we consumed over time. And um, I've always found that fascinating, and I've written a couple of, of uh, pieces on um, on that based on on the work that um, Thompson did back in the sort of seventies and eighties and so forth, and in developing um, his rubbish theory, you know, which was really about how do we categorise waste, you know, with things that are you know permanent through to things that are quite ephemeral and and where they sit on that spectrum of value in, in our lives. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, as I said, I am a bit of a waste nerd, so, and I love food and cooking and things as well, so I'm always interested in how we utilise our food and, and understand its uses a whole lot better um, and, and making sure that we don't, um, we get full value out of it and that uh, we don't waste stuff. So, you know, we grew, I have on my kitchen bench um, a whole lot of avocado plants because I love avocado and you always get the avocado seed. What are you going to do with it? What? We grow more avocados out of it. And they make nice house plants, as it turns out. Um, I'm you, constantly growing bits of bok choy um, for more leaves. So, Do you actually get any avocados out of the plants or is it just a cute little plant? Um, I haven't had them for long enough to get them there as yet. Um, we probably don't live in the right environment where I live, but they do make a really nice plant. So I've never been too fussed about that. I would love to get one to grow one day to find the right spot for it. Though. Mm. Yeah. But it's a bit of fun. It's, yeah. I know. I've um, Occasionally I want to buy seeds from, the, from Bunnings to grow fr- food. But, I mean, really, why would I do that when I could just – Take the seeds of the plants I'm not eating, or the plants that I've eaten. <laughs> well, that's right. You can do. You can certainly do that. Um, I mean, I always grow my own herbs. I have herb pots and things around the place. Um, um, the other thing, I mean, from a, a perspective of uh, keeping getting kids interested in this stuff, have a worm farm. Kids love worm farms. Um, and and again, I chop you know chop up a lot of uh, uh, fruit and veg stuff into small little bits. So that um, when it goes into the worm farm, they break down a lot faster. And the worms don't eat the vegetables. They eat the bacteria that grows on them. So the more surface area there is, the more food there is for worms. But, you know, we've always had a worm farm for, for many, many years. And to be quite honest, you can buy some really nice fancy ones now that look great in the home. And I actually have mine in the kitchen. So it doesn't smell or anything. And, you know, the worm juice provides some um, great fertiliser for my indoor plants. I have a lot of plants around the place. So, um, again, it's about, you know, how do we do things that reduce waste or, you know, in- extend value? out of what we're doing not just you know not just eating something but those little bits because you can't eat necessarily everything in a plant although I've noticed there's a lot more books and things out these days promoting how you know how to use everything quite literally which which is great I mean I think it's it's great knowledge for people to get and um, you know as I've talked about with coffee grounds there's lots of things you can do with coffee grounds you don't have to throw them out so um, it's about extending the value of all of these sorts of things and, um, and um, doing some fun stuff with it at the same time. 
<laughs> great. Um, so thank you for coming to the podcast. It was great talking to you. No problem. You've been listening to On The House, produced by the Household Management Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes like this from across 10 life management perspectives can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and any other podcasting apps available on your smart devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating, sharing, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people to find it so we can grow and continue to bring you quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, hm.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Gabriella Yastra. Thanks for tuning in.